Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two co-hosts, Mike Morandi and Dave Glenn. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. And this and ladies. Po- <laughs> yeah, you're right. We ha- yeah. <laughs> this is a little sexist. <laughs> well, we're saying there's no ladies here, so I think we're saying hello to no. each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we haven't been sitting here for the past yeah. 20 minutes with each other. Um, <laughs> and this is the podcast where we talk about classic or old movies in a modern cinematic context. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Joe Johnston's The Rocketeer, making it the first ever double-header Joe Johnston Double feature. Two directors in a row, right? Yeah. Because last week... uh, Sorry, one director, two two, Two uh, shows in a row. And uh, last uh, episode we talked about Honey, I Shrunk the uh, Kids, right? Kids, yeah. It was the kids, right? It wasn't the dog. Mm -hmm. It was the kids. Oh, boy. We're, we're starting off on the right foot <laughs> today. Be a long this is going to be. <laughs> um, uh, and if you want to reach us on the internet, you can do so at reviewedpodcast.com. You can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast and via email at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. So I think I got through all the housekeeping stuff, right? So now barely. let Barely. And so now let's talk about uh, The Rocketeer, which came out in what year, Dave? Uh, 1991. 1991. And this is a a Disney live-action film that is kind of made in the vein of old pulp 1930s, 40s serials. I never really know what time period that's supposed Mm. to be from. It was really made more in the vein of old 1980s Indiana Jones movies, which were made in the vein of old 1930s (laughs) serials. It's very meta when you think about it like that. Um, And uh, as I said, it was directed by Joe Johnston, starring Billy Campbell, Jennifer Connelly, Alan Arkin, and um, what's the, who's James Bond? What's James Bond? Timothy Dalton. There you go. And let's not forget Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Of Lost Fame. Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn of Lost Fame. And Fane. William Sanderson, who was in Blade Runner. And, and if you guys noticed the, uh, the singer in the clamshell, that was, uh, I can't think of her name. She's from The Office. It's uh, Jan. Huh. Michael's boss from The Office. Oh, seriously? No. Yeah. I yeah, didn't her, I'll look her up. If her huh. name is and before we get too far off track, <laughs> uh, the movie itself is about a young pilot, um, a young barnstorming pilot who stumbles upon a prototype jetpack jet that allows him to become a high-flying masked hero. It's based on a comic book, I believe, mm-hmm. but a 1980s comic book, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Which is, um, and the comic book was written in the vein of 1940s yes. serials. So yes. everything is art imitating life, imitating, I don't yeah. know what the Art, hell. again, I had just life. I had just assumed that this was a comic book in the 30s and 40s, but it was... You would assume yeah. based on the aesthetic and the style and yeah. so forth. Um, and the movie is interesting for a lot of reasons. One, it is a very... This movie is very near and dear to me because I watched it a ton as a kid. Um, this is one of those... like I had like 10 movies on rotation and this is one of them. I watched mm-hmm. this movie a lot growing up. Also, it's kind of famous for kind of bombing completely at the box office, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. But doing, yeah. I think, sort of well on home video and all that kind of stuff uh, once it... Uh, you know, came outward. Right. So, uh, why don't you guys tell me about your familiarity with the Rocketeer? Um, if you watched it as a kid, blah blah blah, all that junk. So, Mike, go ahead. Sure. Yeah, this is actually further cementing my theory. I mean, I'm not sure if it's my theory or if it's really a theory, other than it's pretty obvious. But um, I think if you watch movies as a kid, you really do um, get attached to them. I, I wasn't that impressed with this movie, mm. and um, sorry to say that, Ivan. I don't want to. Well, did you um, <laughs> trample your childhood love? Well, did here, you but... watch it as a kid at all, or no? No, no, I haven't. I remember seeing like pre- uh, promos for it back in the day, but I never actually had seen it until like last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I I like it for 
it was fun. I would I would say I like the design of it. I like the I, I like the look of like the posters. I like the, the 1920s, 1930s like Art Deco style um, of the movie. I think it was it was fun, but like I don't know. At the end of it, I was like, eh, for, performances for me were unforgettable, mm-hmm. with the exception of Terry O'Quinn, who I think mm-hmm. nailed it. You mean mm-hmm. forgettable um, is what you were trying to say? Sorry, yes, yes, they were very forgettable. Yeah, I think um, especially the lead. I was just I was not impressed with him. Uh, Jennifer Connelly was was fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, I, I like the, uh, I guess, Timothy Dalton, the, uh, the, the swashbuckling yeah, uh, yeah. Nazi actor. You just jumped right into it, didn't you? <laughs> I did jump right into it. I did, yeah. <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert, spoilers. guys. Spoilers. Nazi. Yes, <laughs> yes. We, as we always say, we assume that you have seen this movie. You wouldn't be listening If to you are podcast, listening to the yeah. podcast. Um, or but, you don't care. Right. And, and I think like it was they had elements that were fun. I, I liked it. But um, I don't know. Didn't... didn't uh, didn't get me in the field. So you watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids last last time. And yeah. it's because you had seen it. When and you that's were what little. I think. I, I think I think if you watch it as a kid, you're kind of more open to mm-hmm. you're not as critical of it. I think you kind of just let it affect you emotionally right. and then because of that you have nostalgia playing a, a role. And I think maybe seeing something as an adult, you're a lot harsher, a lot more critical of it. And I think mm-hmm. I certainly was. And right. um yeah, you see yeah. it through different eyes, definitely. Yeah, for definitely. sure, for sure. And especially, I think coming off of a coming off of a Disney childhood favorite of mine, I think by comparison, even it was just like, ah, it's not, it's not doing it for me. It wasn't bad. I, two I years later, it. two years later, it's got cooler stuff. It's got rockets. It's got airplanes. It does, right? So I feel like it should have. It <laughs> you, you should have seen it back then. It's like we should yeah. travel back in time so the the old Mike can yeah. see it as a kid. I like how we're using our time travel ability just to make Mike watch a nineties movie <laughs> and see if he'll like There's, it when we talk about it in a podcast. <laughs> Future. That is the name of science. Just one of many science. One of many time travel. One of many movies that we can make Mike go back in time. (laughs) (laughs) He's gonna be a very busy kid. We're gonna have him watch everything he hasn't seen. Okay. Yeah, we pass this off to Dave. Dave. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters. I actually can't 100 percent verify. I, I actually don't remember for sure. This is the first time ever. Yes, I mean, I usually remember if I had seen a movie in theaters, but I'm, I'm, uh, Dave, you're off. I, I would say I'm like seventy five percent sure. Seventy five percent sure. I saw this in theaters. I was definitely old enough. I was what fifteen, nineteen ninety one. So you may have been too old. <laughs> too old. Yes, yes. They, Dave was they, like, why? Well, I say you probably forties at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. You're right. I was forty three actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I can't believe this movie's 23 years old. I was watching it. I watched it uh, with a friend who was a fan of this movie. And um, I've seen it in bits and pieces over the years. I'm dribs sure, and drabs. And dribs and drabs. And I'm sure it's uh, a movie that I, I had watched in the 90s, you know, on, on VHS, just like you, Ivan. Um, but uh, I was a fan of it back then. And I think, that, you know, it's another one of those movies where it's like, well, there's nothing really wrong with it, you know? It's like, it's similar to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where it's kind of a harmless movie. Although with this movie, and maybe Mike's correct, where nostalgia plays a factor, and having seen it as a kid, you know, might play into it. But, uh, you know, but I I feel like this was a stronger movie than Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I feel like it's a simple story. Um, I didn't find the acting uh, unforgivable or unforgettable or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, you know, the acting was just fine. But uh, it's not a movie that requires uh, great acting, you know. And yeah, again, I think it is a Disney kids movie, so I think it doesn't have to be right. It's a movie that yeah. relies, you know, boy, you know, there's there's certain things that that uh, there's certain things that it has to get right. You know, it has to get that helmet right. It has to get those mm. flying scenes right. It has to get the uh, the tone of the uh, the period right. Um, and uh, you know, it has 
it has to, for the most part, not suck. I mean, you know, it has to make you care about what happens. And I think for the most part, it succeeds that way. You know, I watching it now, I feel like uh, I wasn't in suspense. I knew what was going to happen, uh, but I was appreciating it. And uh, for the most part, enjoying it saying, yeah, this is pretty cool. I can see, I can see why I liked this so much as a kid. So, yeah. uh, you know, rockets. I mean, a guy has a rocket. And that's, why, you know, that, that's the thing. I feel like there's so much about this. I, sh- I should have liked it more. You know, I was expecting to. I, I was right. kind of, I was excited to see it. And I was, you know, yeah. And, and it sets up its uh, show, showcase scenes fairly well. You know, it builds up to, um, you know, that, uh, that Superman moment where he, you know, he, he rescues, uh, you know, the, the, the dumb pilot who's drunk in the plane or whatever. And, you know, and, and, and everyone he's sees the rocketeer. Drunk. He's not I, drunk. He's not drunk? No. I, think he's, uh... I have a lot to say about this <laughs> okay. film, but I want to go back to why you think that uh, Malcolm, is, Malcolm is drunk. I'm I don't very know. curious Dave how you got that He's a raging it. alcoholic. He's everything through the lens, <laughs> through the bottom of the... As I take a sip of bourbon here. No, so. I'm just surprised that you... Like, I'm surprised that anybody can make that connection. <laughs> Though he does pass out very easily, so maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah. That. Isn't he know. dressed up like a clown? Or something? Okay, let me. I don't know. Anyway, so overall, uh, I'm, I'll go I'm back and explain that. Scene relatively happy with this movie. It's you know it has good stunt work, pretty solid, classic, simple story, um, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I would consider it a classic, but I think it. I think it's a movie that you can definitely appreciate. I think more so than Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. I think there's a more. There's more. Uh, there's a little bit more that you can chew. Uh, let me chew uh, let me jump in real quick. Yeah, go. So um, here we go. I, I, I think off. I'm kind of on the same page as Dave. I I would describe this movie as eminently watchable. Mm-hmm. Like it's fine. Mm-hmm. It, it does it what it does well. I, I enjoyed it more than Honey I Shrunk the Kids, but only you, because both of you hold your tongue. Only because of nostalgia, <laughs> though. I, I I know it's only because of nostalgia because I, I mm. watched this so much as a kid. Um, I think it's a very average movie. That being said, there are two exceptional things about this film that should. Deserve that it should be remembered by everyone for all time. All right, man. One, it's a bold claim. Here one we is go. the score. The score mm-hmm. is phenomenal, and it's one of the most iconic scores that you don't know where it comes from. James this Corner. score, this score is used in so many trailers for other movies. It's like hmm. it's crazy. Like it's like um, you know Lux Eterna from Requiem for a Dream. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is used in so many other movies, right? Right, right. I would right. never know the name of that. You know what I'm talking yeah. about, though. They na 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 na. Wait, sorry. How is that again? Okay. <laughs> Let's not. Go I remember there. it in the Two Towers, the uh, preview. Yeah, exactly. Two Towers, right? Yeah. First in so many it. other movies, mm-hmm. The Rocketeers is the same way. It's a uh, it's a very iconic score, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I should play some now. If I remember to edit it in, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll play a little bit of the sampling of the score for that you guys. That would be a cool new feature.
also required James more Horner. Work. You didn't even mention James and Horner. Who we've recently talked about a lot on this podcast, I feel like, because he did the score for Field of Dreams. Yes. And he did the score for a few other movies, I feel like, that we've talked about on this show. Did he do the score for... Um, um, Let's see. The Coen Brothers film. Um, no, 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 no. So I'm going through going through the list here. But anyway, let me get back to the second thing this movie should be remembered. I'm sure for. he's going to come up in future podcasts. Wait. Let's just put it that way. Uh, it's Jennifer Connelly's boobs. Yes, I um, know, man. Because I was... after this movie, <laughs> they went away and no one found them again. <laughs> they were still there. I mean, there. I don't want for wanna, a few years. I'm I don't sure. want to get like too personal. I think this movie turned me into a man. Yes. I think he went too personal. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think I had a I had a humongous crush on Jennifer Connelly's uh, yeah, character yeah. in this movie. And Me it's too. the white dress, man. That white the dress. The white dress with the low cut. <laughs> it still works, even yeah. to this day. It's a PG movie, and damn, does it still work. <laughs> yeah. She looks amazing in this film, and yeah. she's never looked as good ever again. And you look at her now, and she's like gaunt. She's like 20 like, or 21. She's like super thin now, and mm-hmm. like super gaunt. It's like, what happened, Jen? What a, lot happened? Of, a lot of yoga, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of spiritual <laughs> reckoning, dating Paul Bettany. All that does it to you. Yeah. But, Paul Bettany will I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, those are the two things I think that are the standouts of this film. Now, everything The two else, things. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The girls, oh, as it were. Oh, boy. Uh, we just lost all yeah. the women. All right, I guess I gotta go on. Hey, it's been good. It's been fun. So that's why I think this movie uh, stands out in my head. Do I think it's a great film? Probably not. I think that it's reverence to the time is very interesting. But it's also, when you look back at it now, it is clear they are trying so hard to make the next Indiana Jones. Oh, yes. They yeah. are trying. They have every element. They've got the MacGuffin. You know, they have the the item that everyone's after, mm-hmm. which is the rocket pack, mm-hmm. pack in this case. They've got uh, Nazis We're, are the villain. Right. Which they, Indiana Jones would have been the Lost Ark or the Sacred Stones or whatever. the Holy Grail and or whatever. Then just the way he looks. And the Nazis, uh, yeah. The way that um, it, um, it's Cliff, right? Cliff, Clifford, Cliff, Clifford and PV, I think. Cliff the, Secord, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, just yeah. the way he's dressed with the khaki pants mm-hmm. and the leather, the, coat. The, the leather coat. He looks like he's wearing a costume mm-hmm. meant for a serial mm-hmm. hero. And mm-hmm. you can tell they're going after the market share and they never quite get it. And I think it's because... Um, oh, who's well, the, he doesn't have... The, I mean, I mean, the, the, I mean, the big difference between... I would say not the only big difference, but one of the big differences is... Uh, well, the similarity, right? Leather coat and crazy thing on your head, right? You got the fedora, Indiana Jones, leather coat. This, you have the leather coat and the really cool helmet. Uh, what's missing is Harrison Ford's amazing charisma. Right. right? That's and, and this guy I, I has, think, this guy's okay. I don't think I say he's less Billy than okay. I, he did, does nothing for me. I don't think yeah. he jumped off the screen could, at all. Well, he I didn't really detract was, from the story. But, I could argue I, No, I think ways. he did. I'd say, and I'd say not only just him. I feel like I, I, one of the weaknesses, I think, is the direction of everything. I don't think any of the actors have any, like I said, like forgettable performance. You had freaking Alan Arkin in there and he didn't, mm-hmm. What did he do? He just, eh. He, he, he read everything the just issue, like The this. issue with know, this you know. film, if I'm going to make an argument about it, is the most charismatic character in the film is the villain. And that's a problem <laughs> right. when your hero is more boring than the villain. Yeah. Right? Uh, no, well, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that, I would say Roger, Indiana, Roger Ebert once said that all, all great uh, action films need a, need a great villain, right? So, I mean, I don't know if this is a great villain, but... I think he's pretty good. He's, he's my favorite, good. He's my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, well, I'm saying he's a good character. He's a good... I mean, Timothy Dalton gets kind of crapped on for, for his James Bond years. He only did a couple of James Bond movies, and this was just a couple years after. I think he did uh, License to Kill and... Um, Living Daylights? The, yeah, The Living Daylights was his first one. 
And he was all, if you go back and, and look at those movies, he was fine. The movies are cheesy, just like most James Bond movies are relatively cheesy. Um, but uh, he was fine. I mean, he was a good actor. And he's, he's, I mean, you still see him pop up in things like uh, Edgar Wright movies these days. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was pretty, pretty good as the, as the villain. I mean, I, it was a little bit, uh, one thing I didn't like is that, um, they revealed his motivation. They, his character didn't have like a reveal. You know, it just at the beginning, you know, he's yeah, the bad guy, know, right? Right, 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 he's, right? He's working with the gangsters. You don't know he's working with Nazis, but I mean, you know that he's working with these gangsters from from the get go. So it would, it would have been nice to have a little bit of a reveal with this character. Speaking of the gangsters, what did you guys think of the seven foot tall monster? Yeah, you know, he's like out of Dick Tracy, <laughs> right? You know, it's funny as we were watching this, I'm like, we should watch Dick Tracy again because yeah. it's so. Yeah. Um, All the guys are in. <laughs> my wife said like, he looked fake. He, he had a mask. It was a mask on his face, and that's what like Whoa, a, yeah. another one of my problems is that if you're gonna do that and you can't pull it off, and you know you can't, mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious you can't pull it off. Don't have him have say any line. Just keep him straight face. He's scary until he the says rocket. something, right? And we're talking about uh, right, and then, it, then we're talking s- about Timothy Dalton, the villain in this movie, who's 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 basically based off of Errol Flynn, I would say, in the 30s. The no, actor. no, I'm, and then you know, you're, and then he, this is his kind of like his bodyguard character, right? Yeah, or right? his henchman, his, his henchman. Yeah. Okay, so a couple questions. I mean, I have a lot of questions about the plot of this movie. Was I started analyzing things that didn't quite make sense. First thing is, if he has a seven-foot-tall henchman to do his bidding, why even contact the American mob to steal the rocket? Because uh, I don't think he's intelligent enough to steal. I think he's more of because like then, force. He, he's like kind of a... Oh, I'm sorry. I, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's an easy question to answer because then you don't get that awesome scene where the Nazis, uh, oh, I'm sorry, where the uh, gangsters and the uh, FBI guys are fighting Nazis. I and mean, they turn to each other why. and nod because they're, they're right. on the same yes. side. Yes, I mean, that is why you have the gangster. It's the uh, enemy of the state ending, as I like to call it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just different. <laughs> He's more of a, a, a bat. Sometimes you need a scalpel for a job. You know, I feel like those guys are a little, well, I don't know if I call them scalpels. I call them maybe knives. But I feel like he's more of a uh, go in, break a bunch of stuff, potentially snap somebody in half over your knee, which is mm-hmm. his style. Mm-hmm. And then someone should someone a little half. more. What is it? Right. What is this guy's name anyway? The movie, the character's name. I don't know. I actually looked, tried to look up the actor's name. I was like, "Who is this guy?" It looks like he's someone who probably died very young because of how tall he was. <laughs> how yeah. tall he was, or something. Um, I don't know what his name is in the movie, so I can't tell from the cast list at all. <laughs> there were, I mean, it was like everybody in this movie became famous except for Don Pugsley. Don Pugsley. All right, I'll I'll take no, it. It's not right. <laughs> I'll take it. Sure, whatever. Um, but you know, a lot of the supporting cast in this movie, you, you recognize you recognize them, and you you've seen them pop up in other movies over the years. Um, like the, like William Sanderson, who was in um, I'm pretty sure this is his name. He was in Blade Runner. He played. Oh the, yeah, the he's the guy character. at the bar, right? Right. He was yeah, in Dead, yeah, he was yeah. in Deadwood. He was he's been in a lot of stuff. Wait, what was he in this movie? He one was, of his friends he was just at the one bar. of the friends. Yeah. You know, oh, right, they had, right, they had right. like one or two lines. Yeah, there was like a, a like a like a not a pit stop crew. What do you, what do you call the guys who help with the plane? Maybe a pit crew. Uh, I pit crew equivalent, I guess. Yeah. A mechanic? He was, he was the, toy, the sure. toy, uh, toy maker. Okay. And, and Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Looks exactly the same. Same haircut, I think. He like was on the new heart show for years and years, too. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, there's just a lot of things about the film itself that just um, just had me thinking. What is? I didn't quite understand the relationship between PV and Cliff. Mm-hmm. Is he? A, he's not the father. He's a father figure, but he's not mm. a father. So are they just... Guys that work together? Just two guys? That live together? Because they live in the same house. Right. Right? I would guess that this uh, Clifford were, character was like lovers? an apprentice. They were lovers. Sort. I would guess he's like an apprentice of some sort. That's what I'm trying to say. The subtext is they're lovers. Yes. That's what this movie's trying to say. <laughs> Why do you think Jennifer Connelly went out with the Nazis so easily? <laughs> I mean, I mean, 
Yeah. Uh, See, Mike didn't like this movie, so we're going to get way off track. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. And the other, the other thing I found very interesting about this film is it's a super. It's technically a superhero movie, right? Right. It feels like a superhero movie. And it's very interesting because now in in modern movies, we are inundated by superhero movies. Every other movie that comes out in the summer is a superhero movie. We Mm -hmm. have more than we've ever had before. And it's weird to compare and contrast a movie that, you know, like Captain America that comes out nowadays and this film just in how different set pieces are for superhero mm-hmm. movies how how the, not only how scale is different but just how motivation is different because if you think about it he's a crappy superhero mm-hmm. he he's he's only trying to fix his mistakes <laughs> throughout the entire movie every right. set piece is him trying to reconcile but I think that something was, that he's done wrong yeah. i think that was kind of the trend I, I think more recently everything has gotten so grand in scale that it's always you're always saving the world right and i think it may be early on things were a little bit more especially for an origin story I mean he can't just jump right and all of a sudden fight a mega villain like he's but kind he's of, not he's, really fighting the Nazis until the end when he finds out they're the Nazis mm-hmm. but even then only because they capture his girlfriend at that point right. right but then again I mean like I think that's a realistic motivation for me I think he is going after his girlfriend I mean, how does he know I mean who is this kid do you think he's really going to fly and I, that's why sometimes I have a problem with motivations of, like it, it, he would he really would that character actually fly into a blimp and Fight off a bunch of Nazis just because he's a patriot. Like, well, at that point in the story, at that point in the story, I think he would. Yeah, I mean, I think he just call the cops, maybe, or like, yeah. I mean, I mean, he knows how to use the rocket pack. I guess that's true. That's true. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. uh, You know, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't just take it from him and say, oh yeah, I'll take care of this for you, buddy. You know, I mean, I think he's, you know, whatever he's. Another thing you got to consider is, and I, again, it's a movie, and I realize I'm totally nitpicking at this point. Which is what we do. But what are the, the physics of this rocket pack? Oh. Sometimes it's so strong that it blasts him like all the way up into almost outer space. It's Other times he's able to hover inside the South Seas Club. Yeah, you know, no, no, there's no. It's, like, it's, how does he control the amount of thrust that comes out no, of it? No, there's you, there's no logic to the uh, actual mechanics of this of, of this, the rocket pack. of this rocket pack. I mean, it would never. I mean, you know. I just question, like, his, sometimes his it's ass super would powerful. melt. I mean, <laughs> I mean it doesn't yeah, make any it sense. I mean, I like, no, this, no, no, I like the would, scene where he's would, like lighting candles. Because they lighting. say it's cool when they, when they touch the fire. They say that when they touch the jetpack and it's not hot. It doesn't burn hot. Yeah, the not, fire itself coming out of the back. Yeah. There was, I mean, there's a scene where, like, he's like flying over the tables or whatever and, like, lights the candles. I mean, at the very least, it's got to be. And his butt hot. would go on fire. Well, he's got those leather pants. Right. Flame retardant red leather pants. I, I yeah. guess he must have special yeah. pants. I don't know. Um, and the other the other major issue I have with this movie is what exactly is the Nazis' plan to fly across the Atlantic with jetpacks? Yeah, no. And yes. then that and that's going to be the turning point in the war. Well, as my uh, friend you, as my friend pointed out when we were watching this movie that you know it doesn't matter what the plans are, but that scene uh, where they show where Howard Hughes shows. This by the way, animation, that real that animation's awesome. By yes. the way, it yeah. was so they cool. They show this yeah. old old 30s real. I love the fact uh, that that Disney animators freaking animated that right thing. yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. yeah so we're talking about this one scene where the rocketeer ends up kind of trying you know howard hughes is, is the one who's built the rocket and uh he's had the fbi basically trying to track down the rocket which was stolen by gangsters right so uh at this point in the movie uh cliff our hero has been uh captured by the fbi they take him to howard hughes he shows him this reel and it's this really cool animation of what it's going to be like when the nazis Pro- propaganda get it's a, yeah, it's it's a propaganda german piece. propaganda video of showing like this is what we'll do when we get this technology right and i think that that's i mean obviously absurd <laughs> i mean no, i, I like, mean, see, that, that I mean you know what i mean the like, guys aren't going to fly you know, guys aren't going to land a rocket 
pack. So I mean, well, I'll make I'll make this argument. If you see how much havoc one man with a rocket pack can do, imagine an army and maybe, of Nazis. And also yeah. to play devil's advocate, maybe the plan is they're gonna send over ships of these guys and, oh, then, yeah. and then use them to like take over Washington like once they're on the East Coast, mm-hmm. fly to Washington DC mm-hmm. and like yeah. take mm-hmm. over. Or go behind it's like almost like going behind enemy lines, except not with parachutes, but with rocket packs. Yeah, parachutes. The paratroopers have very limited control over what you can do, but with a jet pack. You can do anything. Ah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> why did I like this movie as a kid? Besides Jennifer Connelly's know. boobs, and I think a lot of it has to do is there is a certain fantasy of flying, yes. and rocket packs are cool. Yes. Like it's yeah. freaking cool to be able. And I think the helmet looks awesome. Mm. I think the design of the helmet's really cool. The helmet mm. looks awesome until he's not flying. When he walks into like the first time he like yeah. gets on board, he walks in. He looks like so funny and goofy. Oh. The poster looks awesome when yeah. he's looking up and he's mm. flying. Right, it, it's very iconic. Because when mm. I saw that, I'm like mm. that's right, the rocket's here. I know exactly what it looks like. It's in my mind. Never seen the movie, but I remember mm. that. And I think like even the practical having a rudder over his head, mm-hmm. I think is brilliant too. It's like oh, yeah. that you know that's how he steers. He just looks where he wants to go. Right. And look, Although has, they probably, I'm sure he dis any any actual physics involved there i mean he's like turning his head all over the place oh right but it's a good it's a good like <laughs> fake physics thing like oh that, that was the key to the whole that's why it was right. working um and even the 1920s style the, the design of it is great I, mm-hmm. I you know um but when he's standing around it's just kind of really funny yeah. this thing coming off the back of his head but um no i agree eh, I, I like it though i mean yeah i agree he definitely looks better in flight than yeah. he looks mm-hmm. when he's walking around with that gold helmet on mm-hmm. but <laughs> It's still, and I mean, it makes him a superhero in a way. It gives right. him that sense of false identity and all that kind of sense, which is really cool. I mean, anonymity. That's what it, I was looking for. Yes. False identity is incorrect. <laughs> anonymity is what I was looking for. <laughs> anonymity. I didn't even say it right. We both screwed. Right. Up. I mean, most. It's just that, that's like a Hebrew. That's like a superhero cliche, especially from that era. Is that, mm-hmm. that the heroes and their their alter egos have to be two separate things, right? So he's Cliff Seeger, the pirate, and uh, the uh, pilot, and then he's the, the rocketeer, pirate. the pirate. <laughs> But he have three identities. Yes, the pirate. He's the pilot, and then he's the rocketeer separately. And uh, you know, I feel like a lot of modern superhero movies are actually kind of breaking away from that. It has to be a secret, right? I mean, Iron Man famously at the end of Iron Man, we're going to spoil Iron Man. If you don't want to know the end of Iron Man, I don't know how. Stop the podcast now. Just (laughs) stop it. Robert Downey Jr. You know, you think he's going to keep it a secret, and then he says, "I'm Iron Man." You know, and you're like. Yes, that's awesome. I mean, that's part of what makes the end of that movie so awesome. It's like, okay, so we're going to let everybody know I'm a superhero. Captain America, the one that just came out, he doesn't try to hide who he is, right? He doesn't matter. Fa- none, none of the Marvel Avengers have a secret identity, right? None. Uh, Bruce Banner? Never Bruce even, Banner doesn't have a... Never even well, a I mean, it's not like he's actively trying to hide. Like, he's trying to hide that he's the Hulk just because he doesn't want to, like, people make him mad so he destroys things. He turns into the Hulk in the middle of the street. I mean, it's, you know, he doesn't, right, like, run right. into a phone booth and turn into the Hulk or whatever. Yeah. You won't get invited to parties. If no, people, uh, yeah, no. I can no. understand that. And, uh, yeah, so you're right. They, they have that... It does feel like a superhero movie kind of crossed with a uh, kind of daring do superhero or not superhero like a like a uh, serial adventure from the from the from the 30s and 40s that we were talking about now much debate and mike seems to be on the side that billy campbell is crappy in this movie um you could argue that it's intentional he's trying to be the og innocent like he's He's playing like a 1930s serial actor would play the role, right? Yeah, he's playing it like, oh, golly, gee whiz, kind of got, kind of, kind of, uh, he was, style. And yeah. he, he wasn't, you know, I, I didn't know. I can see why 
you you would think that maybe it was a bad performance, but I thought it was just eh, just adequate, you know, for this character. There wasn't, I mean, any well, kind of the thing. I'm looking at his IMDb page. What mm-hmm. has he done since? Well, I don't know. I mean, not. I mean, not a lot. I, I, I mean, he's, yeah. again, he's not Harrison Ford. So. I mean, there's a lot of like B stuff. It looks like. Um, I think it speaks to the fact that like I don't. I don't think he just did a good job. I think he, you know. Good looking dude. Mm-hmm. I think he looked the part. I just don't mm-hmm. think he had enough personality. He didn't bring enough to the role that made him made it unforgettable right. as a character. Right, he's not rubber Because is that is that for sure. right? <laughs> is that something? And that doesn't have to be as far as that that, that kind of personality. But it's something that can make him stand out. He just it was very one note to me. It was very flat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and I think true. even as far he as he doesn't like, have any great lines. There's no, no like great standout. Lines. All the mm. best lines are given to other people. But you know what? No, I don't think so. Because I think you have there's so many great lines that are memorable from things that were like it was nothing on the paper, probably. And it was the actor that couldn't say something that makes it. I'm sure you can go through a uh um any movie nowadays where like nowadays like a, a really good actor worth their salt where they can say one line that's not funny mm-hmm. and the way they say it I mean you think about Anchorman right you get mm-hmm. Steve Carell saying the lines of, of Brick Tamlin mm-hmm. none of those lines I love Lamp how is that funny mm-hmm. it's not funny <laughs> like all of that Milk was a bad choice none of these on paper are that good but you get the actor who can who can deliver them in such a way that it makes them yeah. so I, I think that was like and, and just even I mean, as a from like the character, like the way it was written, it was just irritating. Like he was just kind of a jackass to his girlfriend, <laughs> who's well, gorgeous, he's, and he's just like, "Oh, gee, he did not you know. treat her well, yeah. and she is the perfect woman." Let's be honest. Yeah, and it's right. not like I, I didn't buy. Like I didn't feel like, "Oh, I get where he's coming from." Just like, "Ah, oh, dude, get it together. What is your issue? You're just being an idiot." Like, yeah, yeah. So, what did you guys think? I mean, this movie's 23 years old, right? As Dave mentioned. Oh man. What? How did the special effects hold up? Did they? Fine. Did they seem pretty? I mean. It's okay. I mean, it's it, you know, it's, it's it's got the same kind of feel as the uh, seventy eight, seventy nine Superman special effects, where it's it's you know the uh, the compositing is, is fairly obvious, and um, but uh, at the same time, the stunt work is pretty terrific. So, um, I my favorite parts of the movie are when it's obviously a guy who's being held up by wires, mm-hmm. but like. It's you can so there's a physical actor in engaging with the environment. I'm guessing the entire scene in the the, the club was a set, mm. and they actually had a guy like right. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And um, and I, my, my my one complaint is I wish he would he would have used the rocket pack in more <clears throat> varied and interesting ways throughout the movie. And there's a little bit of that yeah, hinted be more throughout. Creative with it, there's yeah. a couple really, but probably the most creative they get is when they're being chased by the guys. Um, and he oh. puts it in neutral, yeah, and he yeah, jacks yeah. the uh, the pack. That kind of stuff, I think, is really cool because it's more than a guy just flying. He's using this tool mm-hmm. to do other things, mm-hmm. and um, and I don't feel like it ever gets there. And I think it would have been really cool if uh, um, they did that. Yeah, there could have been some cooler action scenes. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, Where back in 1991, it was you know. The, What's the best set piece in the movie? It's when he's saving the drunken the, dr- the drunken <laughs> That's <laughs> just. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if he's drunk or not. It absolutely it, matters. Can it I absolutely can I matters. explain that scene to you, Dave? While we're sitting down right now. So Cliff is late to the field, and so he, this guy so tries Malcolm, to cover for him. So Malcolm, his friend, mm-hmm. tries gets to cover. hammered, <laughs> stumbles into the plane head first. Malcolm is an old World War One pilot. He's mm-hmm. way past his prime, so he shouldn't be flying a plane. And Cliff is you know act, what World is War- that he's he's a clown pilot. That's Cliff is act so he puts okay. on the makeup to pretend that he's cliff okay and he gets knocked out when the thing hits him when he goes mm. to try to rescue him again 
Cliff causes his own demise <laughs> by knocking out Malcolm. Like he, Malcolm probably would have been fine, right? If Cliff didn't try to save him. When you think about it, Cliff really caused every problem in the movie. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if you just left the jetpack in the plane, no problems. They, they would have found it. Actually, the Nazis would have gotten the jetpack, and we would have all lost World War Two. We'd all yes. be wearing Hitler mustaches right now. <laughs> yes, those of us who can yes. grow one. Uh, Hitler would have gotten the uh, lost Ark. Uh, the Nazis would have gotten jetpacks, <laughs> and we all would have been doomed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, had everything come true in these movies, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably probably was. I mean, you could argue that the the, the final set piece on the blimp was just as good as that opening. I like that. Yeah, I mean, that it was, was cool. you know, it was a. Uh, it went to it, it had some entertaining uh, sequences. I mean, the idea the the whole idea of being tied to the blimp and and fighting in that way and having yeah, a guy. Really I mean, yeah. There's a pretty. Cool. There's something inherently. Uh, scary about you know a curved surface that's up in the air. That, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or like if you ever watch movies where it's like the two guys are fighting on an angled glass on top of a building or something. There's something I just find very kind of terrifying about the the vertigo that that causes. And there's also some of the best fight choreography in that scene, especially when um, the giant guy throws him off and then mm-hmm. Cliff uh, or the rocketeer loops back around the blimp and like smacks him from behind, which is totally right. badass. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So like that kind of stuff is really cool. Yeah. So I mean, most, like, most I'd say the the appeal of this movie lies mostly in um, the cleverness of some of some of the action sequences and if you're a kid watching this movie and you know you, I think they make it relatively easy to put yourselves in you know regardless of what you think of this uh, Billy Campbell's performance as as an adult I mean I, I think that he makes it relatively easy to put yourselves in his shoes uh, I think um, you know, you can imagine yourself as the Rocketeer when you're a kid. I I, I imagine you probably could oh, when absolutely. you were a kid. And I, I know I you know could. I pretended to have Jennifer <laughs> Connelly as my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would you would crash nightclubs and just step on tables and say, I'm a jetpack, I'm a jetpack. Yep. <laughs> no, for sure. You have some Nazis. <laughs> sure. I mean I can see, you know, you show this to an eight-year-old today, I still think this is compelling to them. Right. I still think it is. That's a, yeah. I, I could see it. Yeah. Show them Honey I Shrunk the Kids, show them the Rocketeer, you're like that's all that's going to be playing in the house for the next uh, couple of weeks. I like the. Uh, you could do a lot worse. I think they're both pretty solid movies. Yeah, and so. I like the. Uh, um, even the, the Zeppelin is very uh, not to Hindenburg. Mm-hmm. So do we know what year specifically this movie took place? 1938. 38, yeah. Oh, it's so, got to okay, be so right when the Nazis were. It would have been right after the Hindenburg. The Hindenburg disaster was in uh, 37. Hmm. So okay. this happened a year after. I thought it would have been funnier if it was. Well, they have a lot of in jokes about history in the movie. They have a they have a spruce goose joke in the mm-hmm. movie. They yes. have a what joke um, when he says, "Oh, look, son of a bitch will fly." That's a model <laughs> of the spruce goose. Uh, yeah, the, the Howard Hughes, and we can talk about the Howard Hughes character because he's almost like the second hero in this movie, right? I mean, he's yeah, kind of yeah. like if uh, you know, t- twenty years before this takes place, it could have been Howard Hughes as the hero of this movie. Uh, and Terry O'Quinn, who we know from Lost, uh, plays Howard Hughes, but he plays a very different Howard Hughes than actually existed in real life. He's a total fantasy version of Howard Hughes. Not right? the crazy guy who locked himself in his room, yes, like drinking milk and saving his urine. Yes, that yes, guy. exactly. And well, I, do we know that for sure? Do we see inside the desk of Terry O'Quinn? Do we see any bottles of urine? No, that's and true. Milk? And I, I was trying to. I mean, I was trying to kind of imagine Leonardo DiCaprio's Howard Hughes. In this movie, bring the milk. <laughs> bring the milk. Way of the future. Way of the future. <laughs> Way of the future. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, oh, and also, um, when the blimp explodes, it crashes into the Hollywood Land sign, uh, really, really making it 
just Hollywood. Yeah, so a lot I, of clever in jokes. But throughout. see, that, but I see that's the kind of thing. Like I don't, I don't like I, that. That would have been better if it was hitting. He hits into the Leaning Tower of Pisa and it turned like yes, but that would have been much better. Like wait, something about Hollywood what, land. What is what's the difference there, Mike? Explain because that to like me. the Leaning Tower of Pisa has a problem takes with place it. in Hollywood. <laughs> okay, Hollywood is like Hollywood land. They had to add something just to take it away. Well, it's that, not like that's, that's, that's a true story. That's a true story. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. So okay. So actually, the problem is like I'm just an idiot, and that's what. Yeah, it was. See, the Hollywood, they were trying to sell Hollywood land. They were okay. selling real estate, and they got rid of the land eventually, and it just became Hollywood. But yeah, Hollywood Well, land. that's mm-hmm. why, because a freaking blimp crashed into it. <laughs> yes. so Brilliant! So yes. we just taught you history, Mike. I did. There's a lot of history I don't know. <laughs> like, pretty much anything. Basically all of it. Anything that happened before me and <laughs> outside of my immediate... Yeah. So, okay, so I take that back. I thought that was Yeah, cool. it's pretty clever now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So what did you think of uh, Timothy Dalton's death scene? When he, he's laughing <laughs> he's and laughing explodes. like a maniac, and he's oh, like, I, mean, <laughs> I, "I like how this movie sets things up and pays them off. It sets up, it sets up Zeppelins when they go to the movies. They mm-hmm. show the, you know, the uh, he's like, better not come to L.A. and the Zeppelin comes to L.A. Right. They the, the whole gum thing about being lucky and being the thing that I like saves the, them. I thought the gum thing was. Pretty, I think yeah. that is he's always chewing gum, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that's clever. Um, there's and then all the callbacks. Um. The reason that Jennifer, Jenny knows that Timothy Dalton's character is full of crap is he's everything he says to her, he's just quoting, quoting lines from, from his, movies, from his yeah. movies that he, he's accent, which I think is also pretty clever. So all <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff, I think, plays in very well. My favorite thing is um, the seduction scene, obviously, where Jennifer Connelly seduces him and then knocks him over the head with a vase. Yes. Did it happen awesome. to you? Is that... No, no, no! I just love that seduction. Scene. Right, right. Do you when, when, when you fantasize about it, do you also get hit over the head with a bottle, or do you, well, do you stop it before that? happens? I think that's mainly obvious that I would have been hit over the head with a bottle. Probably, probably well, sooner. I'm not sure the seduction scene would have happened. I don't. Probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, all that kind of stuff, and then I think that the whole movie is also playing not only in 1930s serials. It's talking about. The the old the golden age of Hollywood when it was like this kind of uh, the romanticism of Hollywood of mm-hmm. old Hollywood right. and it, it plays with all that and and it's funny um, much like Honey I Shrunk the Kids um, all those sets so like just gonna say, were yeah. like at the MGM Studios theme park mm-hmm. in Florida like you could the, the the Bulldog Diner for years you could do the backstage tour and really? see the oh, wow. and see the Bulldog Diner you like all that mm. was there like were, that, were those sets used in other movies at all do you know I or? don't know I think the Bulldog Diner is a replica of an actual diner that did exist in Hollywood a long time ago mm-hmm. um but yeah, the out, the exterior of that building used to be in Disney's MGM Studios. All the old planes, like the uh, the, the GB, the plane that they built, hmm. all that kind of stuff was all in the back lot. Was hmm. like the Bulldog Diner? Is that like a set, or is it an actual Hollywood? Like they built an actual restaurant and they film in there, or is it purely like a sound? It's a it's like, a set, mm-hmm, but okay. it's ba- the exterior of it is based off a real iconic landmark. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So all that kind of similar stuff. to Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Everything in this movie felt like it was a set. I mean, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, and then uh, also you know talking about character actors that make a recurring appearance, the guy who's run the airfield, Polito, John Polito, John, John Polito from uh, Miller's Crossing. From Miller's Crossing. Crossing. Yep. That's the second movie with Polito reprising Polito's. his role yes. as the Italian Playing gangster. The exact same role. Exact same yeah. role. Hey, listen. Yeah. He's same, very same he's accent. very good at that. He's great. Yeah, yeah I, I was I was happy to see him again. We call yeah. him the Rocketeer. He's like, I, oh. it's all part of the act. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, it's all yeah. part of the show. Yeah. Unfortunately, he dies very early in the movie. I wanted to see him live longer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. 
John Polito? Yeah, he dies in the movie. The, the henchman kills him. I completely missed that. I don't think. Did I don't you know. watch the movie? Boy, I did. I just didn't guys, remember that. I don't right. think I remembered. Uh, Dave, we really did need you to watch this movie every week. We'll talk Polito, about it I thought. I thought the uh, the um, it was the other. I thought there was the gangster guy that got. Uh, yeah, you know, both of them got it. Huh? Because he goes. He, oh, says, yeah. he says he put it in the airfield. The gangster guy. So he folds that guy in half. Huh. And then they remember the uh, the the FBI <laughs> opened up his office and it's all trashed and destroyed. Uh, yeah, he's on the floor. Yeah, you don't see it happen. But he's on. He's dead on the floor. You see him. The aftermath of him being killed. You could have looked away for a second. Okay. I missed it. Yeah. Or you could have just not watched the movie. And missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch the movie. No, yeah, I, I missed that. I guess. Oh well. Uh, what you guys think of Paul? <laughs> 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 Whatever. I mean, what you think of Paul Sorvino? He was kind of riding high after Goodfellas when this movie came out, so he's playing a gangster again. I think it's basically the only thing Paul Sorvino can do. You, you, well, you know, before Goodfellas, he wasn't. Uh, you know, I, and having seen interviews with him, he he wasn't really doing gangster movies, and he didn't see himself as like a gangster type. But uh, no one ever since, does. Since then, I mean, it, uh, you can't imagine Paul Sorvino as anything but kind of a kind of that very intense. Not not loud and violent, but very quietly intense kind of gangster. Uh, and he's just doing a riff off of his Goodfellas character in this movie, like yeah, a, like a '30s version. Man, he's been in a ton of crap. Jeez. Oh, Paul, Paul Sorvino. Yeah, he's had a, quite a career. <laughs> um, so we, you know, and you have Alan Arkin, who is uh, again, know, he's the comic relief yeah. father figure, right? Yeah, the genius father just thought, figure. Yeah, he was. I mean, he he's always fun to watch. I think Alan Arkin, I could. Always watch him. He looked kind of weird with hair. I mean, you could tell. It was, <laughs> <laughs> you could tell it was a hair piece. Um, did you know? Did you uh, catch Margot Martindale? And um, she plays the uh, the diner owner. I mean, she looks so familiar. What has she yeah. been in? She was. Uh, she's most famous in recent years for Justified, the show Justified. Oh, I don't watch that show. Um, and she's just a character actress who's been around for. for well, the for movie, years. if you think about it, is stock full of tons of character actors. Everyone mm. in the every yeah. face in this movie looks familiar in some yeah. way. Yeah, like um, I mentioned. So, by the way, the uh, woman I mentioned, uh, Melora Hardin, is her name. She plays Jan Levinson in The Office. Huh. So, gotcha. it's Michael's boss. He ends up dating her. So she's the one that's writer. singing in the giant clam yeah, show. Yeah, completely mm. minor role. Like, but she's got a good voice. Actually, she has a really good voice. Unless that's yeah. is that Unless really it's her singing? Over. Yeah, who knows? I don't, I don't know. know if that's her singing. Mm. But yeah, all all of a sudden, I mean, it's. I, I I do want to touch base on this. I don't think that this is again one of those movies that would not get made today. Disney does not make live action family films anymore, really. Right? It doesn't, doesn't really this, seem like it. It's... In this vein, they either they stick to their with their Marvel division. They're making these big budget superhero movies, but those are four quadrant movies. Those, right. They're appealing to a very broad, wide audience beyond just the family market. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like there was a golden age in the eighties and nineties where Disney was cranking out original or mostly original, creative, uh, live-action content. And I don't feel like that exists very much anymore. Right. Whether they were good or not is... And is I, you could argue. I mean, the, the <laughs> last movie I, I feel... And this is based in a book, so maybe I'm being hypocritical. The last movie I feel like in the same vein as like The Rocketeer is the movie Holes mm-hmm. with... Uh, how was Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, yeah. which is based on a book. But again, it's a family adventure film... Mm-hmm. You know, live action that isn't that isn't totally dumbed down, right. like the worst thing ever. Right. Like, and it's I would not feel like, like Marvel is cor- cornered the market on that right now. So, the Marvel films that are out, yeah, but those are so those are so entrenched and uh, those are so much bigger in my mm-hmm. head. Yeah, <laughs> yes, the budgets are bigger, the action set set pieces are bigger, the the hype is bigger, everything is bigger. But. Yeah, there's just something about that that is very interesting to me, and it, it just shows how. 
if you compare just movies that hit theaters in 1991 versus movies that are hitting theaters nowadays, the differences are staggering to me. Mm -hmm. And it's just in doing this podcast, I'm just constantly reminded about how much cinema, you know, blockbuster cinema has changed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know. There's something about a movie like this that I really enjoy. And I feel like this is a movie that I can show my son one day and he too will become a man. (laughs) (laughs) and then he'll he'll say what does Jennifer Connelly look like now and And I'll show him like and then she'll be 55 and (laughs) she probably still looks pretty good for 55 well no she's 43 now oh you just looked it up hey I I did look it up during the movie but uh, yeah I think she's 43 44 something like that so by the time you show your son in another 10 years or so she'll have more work done at that point so she'll look more like a porcelain doll and he'll be even more creepy just saying yeah Beautiful woman. <laughs> well, she's really grown as, as far as talent is concerned. I well, mean, as her breasts have shrunk, uh, her talent has grown. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> I think she just lost a ton of weight. Yeah. I think she was mm. a lot more buxom. Yeah. And uh, she, you know. She, you love that word. I do love that <laughs> word. Love it. It's my favorite word. Um, but yeah, and she's, but she was nominated for House of Sand and Fog. Mm, no, right? no. She won for A Beautiful Mind. Oh, that's what it was. That's, okay. and, I, and if she's been nominated for anything else, I don't know. Actually. Not for House of Sand and Fog, but I could be wrong. Excuse maybe me. For, maybe for House of Sand and Fog. It's a good uh, uh, random movie that you remember. She always plays the wife who's being cheated on in movies. Have right. you noticed oh, that? She was in... Um, little Children. Little... Oh, my God. She's little in Little Children. children. She's it's in... A, it's the, a hard that, movie to watch. That terrible movie with... Um, that Ron Howard directed The Dilemma. She plays the wife that gets cheated on, I think. Oh, really? Uh, or I, one of them. She's in... The uh, with uh, the new one? With Reservation the, Road. Isn't isn't there a lot of cheating going on in that movie? You're talking about Revolutionary Road? Oh, it's a different movie. No, she was not in that movie. Well, she's in Reservation Road. Different movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Never sorry. mind. <laughs> My theory's only at two. <laughs> it's not enough. You won't get funded with that. Uh, no, she's doing okay. She was in Noah. <laughs> that was oh, a yeah. relatively big movie. Um, no, no, she's still an A-list actress. Don't get me wrong. In fact, of all the, I mean, she's had a better career than Billy Campbell. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, Billy Most Campbell. Have. So I have actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Ooh, sweet bird. So yeah, we we, we <sighs> felt that one. We talked a little bit about him. I mean, what where, what did he end up doing? I mean, is he? You're, are you looking at him right now? He's still working. He's he, yeah. Look, what has he been of, in that people might like, might know now? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, hold on. We can. I think he was on some TV shows. Uh, there's a lot of TV shows, a lot of like just like it seems like B B movies. Um, let's see, what do we got here? Um, yeah, things like Ten Things I Hate About Life, Operation Rogue, Helix. I'm not, I haven't heard I'm any. No, I've heard any of this. Okay. He, he, he seems like the kind of guy that would show up in like sci-fi, made for sci-fi network uh, oh, kind the, of movies. He's in or the Killing. Uh, he, oh, he was on the Killing. Okay, yeah. which I didn't. I didn't oh, watch. you know what? He was he was the politician on that show. Okay. Melrose Place. I watched season one of the Killing. Okay, and then I no. fell off. Yeah. Didn't watch that show. Okay. Like everyone else did. Okay, right. so uh, <laughs> closing out, um, any final thoughts on The Rocketeer? I mean, again, it's, it, it's, it's a hard movie to talk about because at the end of the day, it's fine. Right, yeah. That's what it is. Right. I mean, there's not a lot to really dig into with this movie. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually amazed that we've been able to talk about it this much. I know. How long is this podcast? 45 minutes. I don't okay, know. Okay. It's right. Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you, um, so Mike, this is totally forgettable, not worth the time. Well, I, I think I, I think I was off my game last week. I got a little, uh, I was taken by Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and I was all giggly and loved it. I'm, I'm back on my game here. <laughs> I'm going to wrap this up by saying, uh, eh. <laughs> eh. <laughs> Wouldn't put it on my shelf. Wouldn't recommend it. But I'm glad I saw it. I enjoyed it. 
I'd put it on my shelf. I liked it, but I, I mean, yeah, you again, would. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's a nostalgia thing. So you, I would, I would get the poster for this movie for sure. Yeah, I would put that. Cool. I would put poster that on my wall, cool. and then I would say, I have seen that movie. I enjoy. Don't that bother. Movie. Don't bother. I don't need to necessarily have that on my shelf, but this poster is awesome. So, um, let's before we close out, um, Dave. What movie are we doing next? Uh, well, we had talked about doing some more summer movies, and uh, since it's my choice, I'm going to pick. Uh, well, I'm not going to say what my opinion of this movie is, but uh, we're going to do Jaws. Yeah, a little Jaws, known film. A, a little known film called Jaws. Jaws, <laughs> which I've actually watched recently. Okay. Um, I have the Blu-ray because I actually won it on the film spotting from the film mm-hmm. spotting podcast when mm-hmm. I used to listen to that. And I suspect this will be a longer podcast, if not a meteor podcast. Yeah, I'm Jaws. Meteor. Have you like, seen Jaws? I've never even heard of it, guys. I've never, no. <laughs> you were, we're I, talking about the original Jaws. The original, no, I have not seen it. I've you have seen not it? seen the original Jaws? Uh, Why are you oh, surprised? Oh my Why God. are you... You know, no, I'm not surprised. I'm just excited, actually. For oh, you know, I, I've been wanting to see it for years. I am excited. This is very interesting. Mm-hmm. He's throwing, I mean, is it really interesting that I haven't seen this? No, no, no. no, you, no, no. It's not, that's not what's interesting. It's going to be interesting to hear the perspective of someone oh, yeah. who hasn't seen yes. the movie before. I'm going to predict here that you're going to love this movie and that we are going to have an interesting I think discussion to, yeah. about Jaws and about how great it is <laughs> for a change. So it's going to be uh, one of those we all agree kind of movies. So us in the future. That's my prediction. We'll That's my good, prediction. Good discussion. And I'm still not this. telling you what my opinion of this movie is. I think we know. Anyway, <laughs> know, yeah. so closing out, uh, Mike, where can people find you on the interweb? You can find me on Twitter at Mike Morandi or at www. Wait for it. MikeMirandi.com <laughs> Dave uh, Twitter Dave Glanz that's G-L-A-N-Z DaveGlanzProductions.com you can see my portfolio boom you, <laughs> <laughs> you can look at it if you want portfolio <laughs> website <laughs> real demo I mean I, part, I, it was the way you said it I, don't I was just I, when you said portfolio I was just picturing <laughs> images of you posing for the camera like taking boudoir photos <laughs> we, we haven't talked about the portfolio at all this podcast and he's like you go to my site and you can actually see the portfolio. <laughs> Dave's actually very talented. So, uh, you very talented. Check it out. I, I put his portfolio on my shelf. Yeah, I would. Too. Yes, thanks. And uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me uh, Twitter at Ivan Kander. And oh, I write for a website called Short of the Week. So shortoftheweek.com to check out my writing on a weekly basis. Um, also, uh, if you want to email us, suggest movies for us to watch, head to our Facebook page, Facebook. Facebook.com slash reviewed podcast and uh, email us at contact at reviewed podcast.com. Uh, so you can do all of that. Um, I think that's it, right? I think, uh, yeah, that's good. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's chew some gum, stick it on the pack, and call it a day. Okay, we're going to end there. Kill some Nazis. <laughs> call it a day. <laughs>